0: Good evening, if you will, open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning in verse 36. The scriptures say this, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend. Do what you came to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, "Have you come against me? Uh, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me." But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. I was recently reviewing my Instagram feed. If you happen to follow me, you might be treated to gems like this. That's what you get when you Google Pastor Yoda instead of Master Yoda, or something like this, wherein I think Tom Hanks and Tim Keller could be brothers, but mostly you're going to see pictures like this, pictures where I'm all smiles. That's me in my new pointy boots gear. I am the new on-field MC for the, when the sod poodles play as the pointy boots. I'm excited about that. You'll probably see lots of pictures of my family. This is actually our very first picture in front of the Christmon tree. As many years as I've been here, this was the first time we took a picture in front of the Christmon tree. You'll see lots of pictures of me with Dina at our favorite restaurants. This is Papado's in San Antonio, one of my favorite favorites. You'll even find pictures like this one where I think I look nice Or, as some of my middle school friends might say, where my drip is looking especially fly. If you're looking at my social media, my life looks pretty light and carefree. No worries, Disney would say it, "acuna Matata. In Costa Rica, you might say, Pura Vida. I'm sure if I looked through your social media, I'd find the exact same thing. On the internet, we put our best faces forward. We look like we're living our best lives, but that is not reality, is it? Not when you're a human broken by sin, living in a world broken by sin. Where are my pictures of me just barely keeping anxiety at bay? Where are my pictures of my moments of self doubt and self sabotage? Where are the posts showing my failures and defeat? Where are your pictures of your failed marriage, your terminal medical diagnosis, or your bankrupt business? Because sin has broken our world, all those are part of our lived reality. My human existence includes dark days. Sin's dark stain... Over our days is an element of our shared human experience. Even Jesus in his humanity experienced dark days. We, we enjoy hearing the, the, the stories of Jesus living out his best days. I love hearing how he made the lame to walk. And how he made the blind to see. I love hearing how he calls the dead man from the grave. Lazarus, come forth. But just like you and I, Jesus' experience included dark days. Jesus wept. He was conspired against. He was hated. He would grow so frustrated with those doing business in his father's house that he would throw over tables and chase people out with a whip, twice. On the night that we read about in our passage, Jesus faced his darkest hours, darker than anything you and I have ever faced. A friend betrayed him with a kiss. As I wrote that in my notes, I I hesitated to write the word friend, but that's what Jesus called him. He's arrested, and even though he's innocent, he's going to be tried and convicted by a kangaroo court and sentenced to death. But before that, he's going to be beaten within an inch of his life. One of his very best friends is going to to deny him three times before daybreak. He's going to hang on a cross, the death of a criminal while his heavenly father turns his face. In the next few hours, he's going to die. He's going to suffer all of this and not say a word. What's more, he's going to do it willingly because the scriptures remind us that no one took his life. He laid it down freely for you and for me. We call today Good Friday because we know the end result. But on that day, it looked anything but good. While the darkness of that day probably surprised his disciples, I I, I submit to you that it didn't surprise Jesus at all. He was a student of the scriptures. He says it. this is the way it has to be so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He knew what was written. He tried to prepare his disciples. They, they really did refuse to listen to that. As a matter of fact, in, in our passage, the one who pulls his sword and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear is Peter. Peter's just doing what he promised he would do when Jesus talked about his death. Peter said, I'll never let that happen. Jesus knew how dark that evening would be. And with the knowledge of the darkness that he would face, what do we find Jesus doing? And how do we incorporate that into our lives when we face dark days? Again, because of sin's stain, we will face those dark days. How do we learn from Jesus facing his darkest hour and incorporate that into our lives? What can we learn? I think we learn that when Jesus faced his darkest day, Jesus gathers his community around him. He brings his 12 disciples into the garden with him. He takes his three closest friends and calls them to prayer with him. He confides in those three and says, my soul is sorrowful, even to death. As Jesus faces his darkest hours, he makes sure that he isn't facing them alone. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Orlando, the three fell asleep several times. They did. But they're just like you and me, they're imperfect beings. But the one who does all things perfectly gathers community around him in his darkest moments. You and I both know that when dark times come, our nature is to isolate. When we face dark moments, our nature is to not come to church. Our nature is not to tell the world about it. But that's the wrong choice. We need community in our dark hours. When we face those dark moments, who around you can you gather? That's why it's important to have a faith community like this church. I know that if I need anything at a moment's notice, I can call the people of this church to pray with me, to pray for me. But it's not just about our faith community. It's also important to have friends you can count on. One of my prayer people is Murray Gossett. When Murray Gossett looks at me and says, Orlando, I prayed for you today, I know Murray prayed for me that day. I know I can call and have on many occasions call friends like Will Esler. Hey, Will, here's what's going on. I need you to pray. Or friends like Danny Byers. Danny, I'm struggling right now. And they will not only pray with me, they will pray for me in those moments when I might not even have the words to pray pray myself. When we face dark days we must do as the one who is perfect does and gather community around us. But he doesn't stop there. When Jesus is facing his darkest days he gathers community around him but he also takes it to the Lord in prayer. As he prays he says, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. If, if, if this can't happen any other way, I submit to your will. But he is spending extended time, hours, extended time in prayer during his darkest hours. I think our problem is often that we, see a, that we see prayer as a last resort instead of a first line of defense. We recently got to start wildlife clubs again, which is the middle school ministry of Young Life that I lead. I will tell you this, they are out of practice at being, with being in wildlife club and things were getting crazy. Crazy enough that a little middle schooler sitting in the front row while one of us was giving the club talk, sharing the gospel, repeatedly dropped F-bombs just to throw the speaker off. It seemed like we had no control. I was going crazy. After two clubs of craziness, Kim Zimmer said, I have an idea, Orlando. What do you think if I gather prayer people around us to pray while we're in club? I said, why didn't I think of that earlier? An email was sent out. Some of you might have got that. I'm sure if you're a deacon at some point, you got that. An email was sent out, and we have consistently gathered prayer people around us. Why didn't we think of that first? Because you know what made the difference? Prayer made the difference. When we were going through a struggle, through a hard time, prayer made the difference. In your darkest moments, I encourage you to come before the Lord in prayer. Jesus could have done anything knowing his darkest hours were coming, but he spent extended time in prayer. Honestly, sometimes I think I'm in dark moments spending extended time in prayer, but the truth is I'm spending extended time in complaint. God, why me? How come things aren't going my way? Totally different than Jesus' experience. He was honest with the Father. This is hard. I'd rather not do this. But your will be done. There is a hymn. Called Sweet Hour of Prayer. And the words say, Sweet Hour of Prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. Hear this. In seasons, of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer we will face dark days We live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world that is without hope apart from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. When we face those dark days, let's face them with our community of faith surrounding us. And coming before the Lord and laying our burdens at his feet. During that sweet time of prayer. We live in a world broken by sin. Sin's dark shadow seems to loom around every corner. We'll face dark days just as Jesus did. When, he, when we do, he has shown us the path through. He has given us tools available to us in our community of faith and our time of prayer. Lord, thank you for the people you surround us with that are able to take us in prayer. When we face dark days, let us remember that we don't face them alone. We face them with our community of faith. But more than that, we face them with you at our side. In the name of Jesus, amen.